Welcome everybody to a special edition of Two Guys, One Topic. It's our interview series. Yeah, this is pretty exciting, Ollie, is it not? Because this is our first ever official topic expert interview. That is someone who is an expert, a real life expert in the thing we researched has decided that they would want to come on and have a little chat with us. Yeah, brilliant. So we take our research and reading. We have one week to look into things. We take our research and reading as far as we can. And then we always say if there's somebody who can then share some real life experience or endorse what it is we've said or challenge what we've said, we'd love to hear from them. Yeah, exactly. Um, And that is exactly what has happened this week. So shall we get straight into it? I think we should. All right, this week we have managed to secure an interview with the incredibly funny stand-up comedian as seen on BBC's Live at the Apollo. She is also an author, podcaster and all-round flipping hilarious person. And I'd better quickly add in, there might be some swear words in this, but ladies and gentlemen, coming up is our interview with the hilarious Jen Brister. So, Jen, thank you very much for joining us. Oh, it's very lovely to be invited. Thank you, guys. So as as we were saying, that our research and reading only takes us as far as it can to a certain point. And so it's always best if we can try and speak with somebody who has some first-hand knowledge or is an expert. Well, I definitely have first-hand knowledge. I would not describe myself as an expert. But, yeah, first-hand knowledge, yes, I have plenty of that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so I guess the first question we wanted to know is is how did you get into doing stand-up how how did it turn into a thing how did it turn into a thing I to this day don't really know I think I started it because I really wanted to see if I could do it and it was just more could, could is this something I could even do and I wanted to I think like a lot of comics I wanted to be a performer or an actor or something like that and I quickly learned that being an actor is awful and <laughs> you are entirely reliant on other people other actors or casting directors or directors or producers or whatever to 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 make whatever it is that you want to do happen okay and and if you're a stand up comedian the only person you, ha- you 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 need to rely on to a certain extent is yourself and that really appealed to me to be able to write material then organize a spot to do it like an open mic spot and then go and perform it that just felt very immediate it felt very proactive it felt like I had lots of agency I thought yeah I like that okay so that's why oh nice and as part of the the reading that we did this week and, and research was about having good material and getting good material in the first place is a tricky bit, but obviously extremely vital. And so we were just wondering about how do you know when you're writing your stories and your jokes that you've got a funny concept on your hands? Well, I don't, oh God, I mean, that's the million dollar question that every comedian would love to know. Ultimately, you follow your once you've been going, I mean, when you first start, you don't have a fucking clue. I mean, I'm going to put that bluntly. Okay. Um, you don't know. So when you first start doing stand-up comedy, you're like, I don't know. And you don't even know what your own voice is. I know that sounds crazy, but you don't know who you are on stage. You haven't found your own voice. That takes years. So so when you first start, it's really like, um, 
this works, so I'll just do this. You might you might do that. Or okay. I've got no idea what works. It's a complete coincidence if I make the audience laugh. I mean, it's just so random. I don't know what's going on. But once you've got experience and you've sort of start to understand your own voice and, and your own and what it is you want to say and what your style is, then it's just a case of I've got a load of ideas which I've written on a notebook and I'm going to turn up in front of an audience at a new material night and I'm going to see what works. Yeah. And sometimes I am amazed at what people laugh at. I, more, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've, I've thought, this is gold. Yeah. Like, I mean, what I've written <laughs> here, I think, move over Richard Pryor because this is, this is <laughs> actual, I might be a genius. And then you just get Easter Island faces looking at you going, I don't know what you're talking about. This isn't funny. <laughs> And so it's really, I still don't entirely know what it is when I've written it down or when I've got an idea if it's going to work or not. I, I, but I can sort of, once I'm on stage and I'm and I'm riffing and I'm improvising, then that's when I'm like, oh, I can feel that this is some good energy. So I'll I'll put more emphasis on that, or I'll 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 play around with that idea for a bit longer. But when I'm at home. Yeah. With a notebook or my laptop. No. Yeah, we, <laughs> we were saying about how uh, just how how to lift something off a page. Like if you've got an idea and I guess, yeah, what you're saying there makes complete sense. Just just get out there and test it. Liam, you had it's something interesting about funny. Richard Pryor. Yeah, yeah. It's strange you'd mention Richard Pryor because I really like Richard Pryor. And I've read it. I think I've read his autobiography and he mentions in there that he would he used to go to clubs and not have anything prepared and then just make the whole thing up. And just and just I mean, something would be funny and sort of carry on from there. Yeah, I mean, but he, that's why he's such a unique yeah. voice and such a. It's a I mean, I won't don't say it's lightly. I mean, a genius in mm -hmm. terms yeah. of comedy, you know. And there are there are comedians that can do that. There are very 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 few of them because you have to have an idea of what it is you're going to say because. Otherwise, where are you going? What's it? Mm -hmm. I, I even when I do new material, I've got bullet points of stuff. Where I'm gonna think I'm gonna talk about this, and I'm gonna talk about that. I might not know what it is I'm gonna say, yeah, but I know roughly which where I'm going. But to just turn up at a club with nothing—that's <laughs> that's like that's an anxiety dream for me. <laughs> that is what that is. That's that's not something I would do. Um. But there is something freeing about that. That I mean, the closest I've got to that is is turning up at a new material night and and having not just not having enough material to fill the space and then having to just fill the space with improvising. Okay. And I and I you know shit the bed. You know, I mean that that's terrifying, and I wouldn't <laughs> I wouldn't want I wouldn't want to repeat that. Um, so I always have a rough idea of what it is I want to talk about, definitely. But um, <laughs> somebody like Pryor is un is unique. Yeah, and, and then do you then test it and tweak it and like like keep doing the same sort of thing you said last time but but just changing little parts of it until it ends up getting funnier and funnier and you know you're getting a bigger yep. reaction <laughs> yep <laughs> i know it's um people i think sometimes think they turn up to some to see some comedy and they're like god this person's so good at thinking on their feet <laughs> the, yeah. the 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 the, the 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 skill of a stand-up comedian is to make something you've said 300 times sound like the first time you've ever said it. Yeah. And and that is that is part of that 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 skill set is to be able to do that. And and sometimes you can make it feel like that because you can improvise around it and you can 
you know, muck about with it a little bit. So it, it, so there are new bits in it, so it does feel fresh. But ultimately, you are doing the same thing. And, you know, comedy isn't about... It's not about just talking. I know it sounds like that. But it's about using the least amount of words you can to yeah. get to the punchline. Mm-hmm. So often, if one extra word placed in the wrong place, the punchline doesn't work. I'm very guilty of that all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Are you? Why is yeah. that, Ollie? I don't know. I, I just add in extra words. I think I just need to fill the space with more words and I end up tripping over myself and blurting out the punchline before I need to or something. Oh, well, the pu- but that is, that is a classic move of panicking <laughs> and saying yeah. the punchline before you finish the setup. Yeah. Um, I, I, I mean, post-COVID, well, I mean, I haven't done gigs in... A long time I'm pretty sure that I'm gonna be blundering about on stage when I first get back up um yeah. we'll be coming to see you <laughs> yeah you'd be like oh my god she's uh, <laughs> she's gone downhill um I've got one on Friday and I think oh god I'm absolutely terrified I, don't, oh, no. I haven't done a gig for like six months god oh, only no. know- hello how are you um at least not I've, I've done gigs online but it's not the same yeah um yeah yeah so so stand-up comedy is is that is is creating that um that facade that you're saying it for the first time and also that what you're saying anyone could say and it would be funny because mm-hmm. often no. you'll see a comedian and go oh um I saw this comedian and they said this really funny thing and then you say it back and people are like it doesn't sound funny it's yeah. because you said it and then he and then it was this thing about that you're like yeah. Oh, yeah all right mate um because there's a particular rhythm because there's a particular musicality to that joke and there's, they stop in the wrong right place or they raise an eyebrow or they they do something with their body or something yes. is is what it's not just the words that make a joke funny there's so many other things that I have that the comedian is doing without the audience realizing that is that's heightening that that joke and making it funnier and i that was one of the things that we were um wondering about with yourself as well in terms of feeding off an audience and you know, do you do you then do much ad lib, and is it harder to feed off an audience when it's a larger crowd? Is it harder to feed off an audience? Yeah, or or or, or improvise with an audience because they're two things, two different. Okay. Things. Um. So to feed off an audience, I mean, the bigger the crowd, the easier the gig. Oh wow! In some okay. ways, in some ways, you know, because. So, so, say for example, you're so like I did live at the Apollo. Okay, so like when that room is full, it's got three and a half, four thousand people, whatever mm-hmm. it is. Okay, now say a third of those people think I'm shit. <laughs> okay, a thousand people think she's shit, but there's still two thousand people <laughs> laughing. Yeah, yeah. And it still sounds great. Yeah. I still think I'm smashing it. Yeah. I have the best gig of my life. <laughs> thousand people in that room have gone, that's the worst sound I've ever seen in my life. But yes. 2,000 people are like, yes, as long as you get that, as long as you get that fraction correct and it, you yes. get the two thirds that like you and not the other way around, yeah. you're laughing. I mean, the thing with doing a, a gig of that size is 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 reminding yourself that, that it is the easiest gig you're going to do because you have done tougher gigs than that in front of like, 50 people who hate you (laughs) before you've even picked up the microphone so and if if a third of them don't like you then you feel it so um so yes I would say it's much easier and also when 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 you've got an audience of that size and they're all laughing I mean the energy is insane so you are you're just surfing on that wave of energy 
as a comedian. You're just like, well, I've got my practically God. <laughs> Amazing. Um, and uh, don't worry, there is the subsequent crash where you consumed by self-loathing. But for that brief <laughs> moment, uh, everyone loves me. Um, uh, in terms of when you want to sort of improvise and you'll see when comedians do their specials, they'll, they might do a bit of stuff on the front row. Yeah. Sometimes. Like, I know Catherine Ryan did it for her, 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 her was it, I can't, I never remember the name of any shows, but it's a really great show. Is it Glitter Ball? Glitter Ball? Glitter. I think it's just Glitter actually. Um, she did some interaction at the front row. And I think the key to that when you're in a room that size, because obviously the people up in the gods, they can't hear you, is you always have to repeat back what they say. So it mm -hmm. can be harder to get the rest of the room. Like if you do a bit of interaction with people in the front row, you want to make it not not for too long. Or yep. you want to dip in and out of it. So you want to pull out of it and then go back into your material and then dip back in. But if you're in a small club, you could spend half an hour chatting to the front row and everyone's yes. involved because they're all part of it and it's really yeah. fun. But if you're in a big room... And certainly in a room like, <laughs> if you're in the O2, forget it. Yes. But for a start, you can't see the front row. I mean, they're like they're a mile away from you. <laughs> um, so you're just going to be banging it out. And it's a completely different sort of, I mean, comedy in that size room is not the same as yep. you'd get in a local club or whatever. Yeah. Do you, um, one thing we noticed and, and we found this, you know, you've got to choose your target audience when you, when you are performing and we know you're know, watching some of your stuff back it's clear that that you're using different sorts of material in different places like you know of the apollo there's not so much swearing going on and you know because it's bbc or whatever it, is that a conscious thing that you choose like because i'm playing this place i'm going to do this material um or or do you just try and do it I, all? Get, I get told what i'm allowed to do at, at the apollo <laughs> the bbc lawyers yeah, you're very much, you're, they, <laughs> I mean, to be fair to the producers, they really want you to do what you want to do. They really do. But they are also limited by what you can do. I mean, I, they, they don't mind a bit of swearing. And what they will say is, depending on who you're on with, they'll say, okay, you're on with this act and this act. They don't swear very much. So if you want to stick a couple of F-bombs in, you can. Okay. Or they might say, listen... Frankie Ball's hosting, so no swearing from you. Okay. Uh, yeah, they've used he's, up their quota. <laughs> he's literally used up the quota. So they, it might go, it might go a bit like that. So what I do at Live at the Apollo is not what I would do in my club set or in my hour mm -hmm. show. That is the safest, uh, benign, beigeist material I have. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 people like it for that reason and I think sometimes people see the stuff I do at Live at the Apollo and they go oh go and see her show <laughs> in the Edinburgh Festival and then they're like oh my god she's talking about menopause and <laughs> period poverty and uh, this isn't what I want she's a bloody feminist lesbian um so yeah you you do I think when I do an hour show I do whatever the fuck I like and also when I do to to a certain extent club sets I try to do whatever I like but even with clubs to a degree I can be limited depending on how um not brave but how much of a fuck I care mm -hmm. um, if I'm like I just don't give a shit I will do the 20 minutes I want to do and then I might just do whatever Yep. There might be a room I walk into and I go, this looks dangerous for me. 
So I'll play it safe and I'll do some material that's not going to end with someone chucking something out of my head. Yeah. Um, so, but, but television is a different thing. It's a different animal and you, 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 you are limited in what you can do. And can, can you change that material on the fly? Like, can you just like almost on the spot, like, well, I better not do that, that little five minute bit that I would normally do. I'll, I'll do this other one. Um, I can now. The day? Yeah. Okay. I can now because I've got, you know, hours of material under my belt. But yeah. when I started, if you, if I, <laughs> when I first when I had my first 20 and I was getting gigs and getting paid and I'd go, oh, they don't like this. Yeah. And that was tough. That's all yeah. I had. <laughs> I, yeah. I just had to plow on. Yeah. Whereas now if I go, oh, they don't seem to be jumping onto this. They don't seem to like this. Maybe I'll try, I'll try a different tack. Mm-hmm. I can do that. Um, but even then it's you as a comedian can get into a rut where you've got like a 30 or 40 minutes that you're doing that you're sort of mixing about, but that's that 40 minutes that you're doing. And you might think, oh, I'll just do that material from that show I did two years ago. And then Mm -hmm. your brain goes, yeah, but you don't remember it. (laughs) Oh, so that's what I'd be doing. That's exactly what I'd be doing. I mean, I literally, I mean, I, I have people quoting material back at me from shows I did four years ago, and I'm like, I, that's quite that's a good joke. They're like, it's your joke. Like, oh, is it? Oh, okay. I've completely forgotten. Um, so, yeah, that, that's the other problem is, is like you, if you haven't written it, if you haven't recorded it somewhere, sometimes you just forget. Yeah, we, we were reading about just the, the difference between the likes of yourself and then the likes of me is having the the confidence and you've rehearsed it so many times that you you know it like the back of your hand and then you can adapt in situations um so that's yeah that's, that's really interesting to hear it was interesting to hear you say that live at the apollo you know you you didn't feel as nervous or that's one of your you know favorite gigs going out to do because it's so big I mean, does, what what were you like, you know, just before going out, like knowing that it's going out to millions of people on TV as well? Oh, no, I was terrified. I, I'm sorry. Oh, I didn't really okay. think I was. <laughs> I, I mean, I sh- was shitting the bed. Absolutely. Right, okay. Like, I, 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 my heart rate was coming out. I mean, like, my, it was exploding in my ears. I had, well, I didn't realise at the time, I had pneumonia as well. So I had... Um, <clears throat> this really bad cough, which I was like coughing and coughing and coughing. I had fluid in my lung, my left lung. And um, the floor manager said, they come and get you from your dressing room. They go, right, um, can you come down? Because um, Rob is halfway through his set mm-hmm. or whatever, or Rob's about to go on stage. I can't even remember what the fuck was going on. So you come down and you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> and you come down the steps to where the stage is. And then they have you backstage. And I can hear Rob Beckett is 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 in mid-flow and he's having a lovely time. And then at some point they say, okay, they walk you over to where you've got to stand before the 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 sort of curtain goes up or the screen. It's not really a curtain, yep. is it? It's a screen that goes up and it's like a little booth. Yeah. Okay. But there's it's no walls to it, but you've got your back and then they've, they've created a, a square and you stand in that square and you're not allowed to move from that square. So I have got this cough. <coughs> and the floor manager's like, oh my God, are you okay? <laughs> are you going to be coughing like that when you go on? I said, I said, no, I'm going to be fine. I said, I, I said, I trust me, the second I go on stage, this cough will go. And um, <clears throat> so <laughs> I'm backstage. Are we making you nervous? I'm, I'm literally, I'm having flashbacks. It's PTSD. 
And I was so nervous. And then the screen comes up and, I, and all I hear my name. And then there's loads of smoke that comes out. And you're having to walk through the smoke and the screen comes up. And all I can remember is um, uh, Rob Beckett had come in to see me earlier. And he's obviously done it before. And he said, listen, Jen, when I said, are you, how are you feeling? Are you a bit nervous? And I said, yeah, mate, I'm, I'm nervous. And he said, listen, whatever you do, don't rush. Take your time and um, wait until they stop clapping before you start speaking. And I said, okay, I'm going to do that. That's brilliant yep. advice. So, I'm, so that's what I do. So I go on and I walk really slowly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm walking really slowly. Also, because my other friend said that when she came out, she'd walked in too quickly and nearly smacked her head on the screen because of the adrenaline. Because you get this big rush of adrenaline. And then when I came out, I waited until they stopped speaking, until they stopped clapping. And my girlfriend was in the audience and she said, it was excruciating because you didn't say anything for what felt like ages. And I said, oh, did it look shit? She went, no, no, you, you look really confident. I said, oh, okay, well, then that's fine. Oh, wow. But it was it's complete, I mean, complete smoke and mirrors. And then as soon, and then I, I saw someone in the front row and she was looking, she was smiling. And then I, I the very first line I improvised, which was, the BBC have invited me here to tick some boxes, not your yes. box, madam, just a metaphorical box. Uh -huh. Yeah, uh, and that that was that just came to me when I like Richard Pryor. Stage. <laughs> yeah, I had a Richard Pryor moment, and um, uh, and I'm so glad it did because the second that that was a very quick laugh that happened immediately, and then the audience relaxed and they went, "Oh, she she looks like she knows what she's doing," and then after that, the gig was great fun and and fine. The bit before was excruciating. Yeah. But it was a reminder as soon as I started the gig that actually this is easy compared yeah. to a lot of the horrific um, gigs I've had in the past. So you've obviously, you've performed all over the place. Like where, where does that sort of rank as your favourite gig or what, or what is your favourite, you know, what was the best gig you think you feel like you've done? Like, is there any, any that stand out? Anything that? I mean, you never remember the good ones. <laughs> you only remember right. the bad ones. Yeah. You only remember the bad. I only ones. remember the bad lessons I've taught. I forget. Yeah, I bet you've had some absolute blinders. I, yeah, you I just remember the car crashes. They're the only ones I remember. Yeah, same. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I remember the. I remember all the horror shows, but and if for me, and I think this is the same for most uh, anyone that's that has to do with sort of whether you're doing public speaking or you're a teacher or you're presenting something or teaching is a performance you you don't remember when it you don't think about if it's gone well you just forget mm. about it and you move on to the next lesson yeah. if it goes badly then you're in the staff room going someone give me a cigarette i know i haven't smoked for 20 years but i need yeah. you know it, it, it's it's those it's the ones that don't go well and the only reason why i would remember live at the apollo is because it was live at the apollo otherwise mm. i wouldn't remember that gig yeah. and i and, and even now when i watch it i I'm like, I don't remember that 20 minutes of being on stage. Yeah. And I don't even, when I'm watching myself, it's like, that doesn't even look, I doesn't, who's that? It's funny. <laughs> so Like an out-of-body experience type thing. Yeah, it's, it's pretty awful, actually, look, watching yourself. There's, is there anything worse? Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've learned that with hearing ourselves as well. Yeah, same. It's dreadful, <laughs> isn't it? Um, we're also then wondering about the, setting the tone for a gig as well. And I know you said that you then improvised then at Live at the Apollo with that first line about here to check a box. Um, but 
those gigs then that haven't gone well, can you then link that back to, you know, is it the first joke that's just set the audience off? It hasn't settled them or? I mean, it could be anything. It could be you, something you've gone in too hard. Uh, okay. You haven't gone in hard enough. Yeah. You've chosen the wrong material. Um, you, the audience just aren't settled. The audience are coked out of their head. That's a one. That's a thing. You, it's really hard to make coked up people laugh because um, no one's funnier than them. So yeah. that's always a nightmare. Um, they're out with their um, workmates. They don't give a fuck about comedy. You know. Yeah. They're too busy debagging John in in the as he walks back from the toilets. You know, it's it's it's, it's it could be anything. <laughs> you know, there's any number of things that 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 can completely blindside you as a comedian. Um, but sometimes you have to admit that it's just you. They hate yeah. you. And that's, and the thing about stand up, and I don't know if it's the same with, I mean, I'm a musician, but I think sometimes if you go and see a band and you don't like a band, you're like, yeah, they're not really for me. But you don't feel this visceral hatred for them. Yeah. But when someone, when you've paid to watch someone make you laugh and they don't make you laugh, you, you hate that. You, you suddenly look at them and go, I fucking hate you. You are a massive prick. And that's why it's called a death, because yeah. <laughs> that knowledge that you're in a room full of people who at best feel sorry for you and at worst feel visceral hatred for you is 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 really awful. <laughs> it's oh, a really wow. awful feeling. Um, yeah. But it's, it's, it's almost impossible to avoid as a comedian. I mean, it's not almost impossible. It is impossible to avoid as a comedian. And just hopefully thickens you up for the next one and you need to be thick-skinned, I guess. You do. You do. I mean, touch something, wood, plastic, some rubber. Um, I haven't had a death like that in a long time, but I have had deaths. You okay. know, I've had gigs that have gone, oh, that hasn't gone very well, where I've thought, mm, they probably think I'm not very good. But I had, don't think I've had a show where I thought actually if I go out to the car park somebody might attack me <laughs> so I mean there's still time I mean I'd say that I, I haven't, re I haven't been on stage for such a long time that my next gig back might create that very yeah. same feeling <laughs> yeah hopefully not hopefully not hopefully um yeah. you know having sold comedy so well in the last two minutes talking about all this terribleness <laughs> <laughs> um do you have any advice for anyone who, who might want to be a stand-up comedian? Is there any like like things you you really should share with somebody if they're up for it? Uh, it's very tricky. Okay, so comedy. Okay, basically, if you want to be a comedian, you have to treat it like a job and not as a hobby, and that would be my biggest advice. And I think it's okay. really tricky to not tricky to take it like and think of it as a job when you're not getting paid but initially you won't get paid but that doesn't mean that it's not your job mm -hmm. and if you like anything want to get good at something you need to have the hours on stage and you need to be be writing and so you have to have very thick skin and you have to be able to hustle mm -hmm. you have to not take things personally if someone doesn't reply to your email or phone you back when you've asked for a gig because it's not about you they're just really busy yep and it's just a lot of graft. And if you if you have that compulsion, as like all comedians do, then you'll end up doing it whether you want to or not. But if you don't, then leave it. Yeah. <laughs> because it's hard enough when you when you are 
compelled to do it. But if you don't have that compulsion, it's not. It's not. It's not a. It's not a nine to five job. You are going to take on a career where you don't have a social life, and you're, mm-hmm. you you miss weddings, you miss your friends' birthdays, you miss all the fun times. In the summer when people are going out for a barbecue and going, hey, we're all going to go to the park and get pissed from two o'clock. You'll be like, well, I'm driving to Loughborough. Have a nice time. You know, so, you know, it's not it's not a glamour. But if you if you are that person, you're like, actually, I just that's all I want to do. Then then I just say go for it. So in that in that um, example, then, like how how long was your overnight success then? Oh, about 18 years. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, mine mine is a very protracted uh, journey, so I certainly wouldn't look to me for... Uh, I must follow the way Jen Brister did it. She seems like an absolute penis. Um, no, I mean, the, I, I, for some people, they, they, they seem to get there like three, four, five years. I find that absolutely fascinating, those people. But for me, it took... It took um, it took me 10 years just to get to a point where I was making a living from it. Yeah, <laughs> so, wow. uh, you know, um, <clears throat> let alone getting on any telly or anything. So, yeah, my overnight success took many years. Yep. Um, but also, I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing for me as, as an individual. I don't mean for other people, because it's just given me a sense of, I kind of feel like I'm just, if anything I get now, I feel like, well, I've earned it. And I, yeah. I don't feel like, oh, do I, should I have this? Do I deserve this? I'm like, yeah, I do. And you I'm put gonna, the work in. I'm not going to take it. You put the time in. No, yeah. fair play. Fair play. Um, so you, you've told us that you've got your first gig back in six months on Friday. Um, yes. But, you know, in general, you've you've got a podcast yourself, haven't you? Like what what else, What what's next for you in the life of, of Jen then, I guess? Well, I think for me, because of COVID and because I've had to, as I imagine you guys have had to do the same, is um, find other things when you weren't working, find other things. I mean, I, I guess for you, Liam, it's different as a teacher, isn't it? Because you're working anyway, whatever you're doing. Yeah. Um, but um, I had to find other means of being creative whilst I couldn't be, mm-hmm. try to find other means of, of, of earning a living, you know. And I think writing is something I really um got into I've written a book anyway but I spent the last year sort of developing um scripts um which I which I'm doing at the moment and that's I think that's something I would really love to continue doing I mean anyone that has ever gone anything in development will know that you need about five scripts in development and maybe one of them will get a pilot (laughs) okay you know it's, it's it's just a it's just really hard but I have enjoyed the process of it and I have got a few things which I've been working on which are now in development and I think I will continue to try to keep coming up with ideas to 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 move in that direction because the hiatus from being a live comic has been so long that I'm like now I don't know if I could go back to being on the road yeah starting again almost kind of yeah getting that momentum going and also you know, I do moan about my children, but I don't want to be away from them like I was yeah. before. I really don't. And, and and I feel like in some ways I've been lucky to see them this last year and see them growing and developing. And we bonded as a unit. And I've really yeah, loved that. I totally agree. And I don't think I want to, to, to 
yeah to fuck that up now so Fair enough. If, if, if if i can if i can find a way to do to do a bit more writing i, I will that's what i'll do that's what i want to do amazing jen it's been so nice hold on hold oh. on oh. jen i'm gonna go rogue and i'm gonna tell you a joke okay all right i'm gonna right. do you want me to mark you no no Molly <laughs> said whether we should ask you a joke i'm gonna tell you the oldest joke do you know this? Okay, go for it. There's some, I don't know, some professors went out to try and find the oldest uh, joke that's ever been written down or like evidenced. So this is from 1900 BC, so like 4,000 years ago in Samaria. Okay. I, I don't know where that is. Uh, how on earth they can date this, I don't know, but fine. Uh, well, the, the, I can tell you the second oldest as well was actually in a book. So they found a book from 1600 BC. But the oldest joke ever that we think has ever existed is as follows. Something which has never occurred since time immemorial, a young woman did not fart in her husband's lap. Contain yourself. Boom, Jen. boom. Okay. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'll, I'll just wait for the laughter to die down. <laughs> um, yeah, I, that's, that's an interesting rhythm, that joke, isn't it? I mean, you know, like we were saying, you know, they might have been up on stage and like dancing around and that, that joke might take five minutes to say. Okay. Just, Liv, say it to, just one more time. Something which has never occurred since time immemorial, a young woman did not fart in her husband's lap. <laughs> something which has, something which is what for time immemorial? Never occurred since time immemorial. I don't even so, know what that means. Something which has never occurred. Yeah, a young woman did not fart in her husband's lap. That's too many negatives, isn't it? Something which has never occurred, a woman didn't fart. What? (laughs) (laughs) Did she or didn't she? There's a double negative there. Well, Uh, there you go. Here's one one you can have. Something for time immemorial. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you like this one. Stick stick that in your script. See what happens. I'll try it on Fridays. Go on, (laughs) ladies over this time immemorial. A woman, young woman, she did not fart in her husband's lap. Oh, you know already. Yeah, yes, she did. She didn't, mate. Okay, so shut up. (laughs) I'm already anticipating the heckle there. (laughs) Anyway, sorry. Uh, Amazing. Humor has moved on. Thank you. you, um, Yeah, thank you so much for (laughs) for taking the time to to speak with us, Jen. We really enjoyed it. And it's been um, brilliant just hearing some of your your thoughts and taking our, our research and reading that step further. We hopefully, Liam and I will make it along to one of your gigs and we will be the people in the front row heckling. Go for it. <laughs> a bit of confrontation. Give brilliant. Shot. Thank, Thank you Jen. very much, Jen. Thanks, guys. Well then, Liam, there was our first topic expert interview with Jen Brister. She was amazing, wasn't she? How funny was that? I could listen to her talk all day. We said that... You know, we try and keep that under 20 minutes or something, but I think we probably went a lot longer than that. Um, <laughs> Super funny. Really interesting to hear how she's got on, just some of her thought process, her experience yeah. of live at the Apollo. Yeah, incredible. Also, I, I like the fact that, you know, we did some research on it and, and she sort of signed it off, if you like, and, um, you know, basically sort of agreed with what we were saying, which is, which is great. So hopefully that's the first of many. Um, anybody listening in, if you've heard any of our other podcasts and uh, fancy coming on to have a chat with us about it, that'd be great. Yeah, thanks everybody for listening. Hit us up on the socials at Two Guys One Topic on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Look forward to speaking with you next week. Yeah, man. New pod on Tuesday. See you later. Thank you very much.